shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakeland, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, it's that time of the week, everybody. Once again, it's time to go Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Zebalero. And with me, my co-host, that I'm proud to call my co-host, the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you? I am fine, man. Finally back at home after... Uh a week or two on the road drive me crazy, but uh, I'm enjoying it. Another EMS World Tour? Yeah, EMS World Tour. I, I had the privilege of, uh, you know, I've got a paramedic or an EMT class wrapping up, and uh, in the midst of all that, I've got I've been to uh, two paramedic uh, graduations and delivered their keynote commencement address at two different places. So, and which was an honor. I, I enjoyed the heck out of that. I'd like to give a shout out to the graduates of Kayamichi Technology Center in, in Poto, Oklahoma, and all the, the satellite campuses that uh, participated in their program, and the graduates of the Delta Regional Community College Paramedic Program in West Monroe, Louisiana, my alma mater. Uh, they just got their paramedic program stood back up and uh, graduated their first 11 graduates under the new program, and it shows a lot of promise, and uh, I'm happy for those guys. Hey, that's awesome, man. That's really great. So when you give a keynote address, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to do, let's say, a graduation, do you kind of give them the same message or do you do you kind of fit it to the uh, the difference, uh, you know, from what the school is looking for? Or, I mean, what's your plan for that? I mean, I, I think it'd be really interesting to talk about it. I think, uh, no, I, I really don't. Uh, you know, I've, I may swap anecdotes that I share around, but I give them pretty much the same address because everyone graduates from paramedic school with the with the same hope and the, the same sometimes unrealistic expectations. And and mainly I focus on, you know, uh, I tell them that no one's going to know what a paramedic uh, is going to be 10 years from now and what medicine is going to look like uh, and that half of what stuff they were taught in class is wrong. Uh, the problem is no one knows which half. And uh, the things that will serve them best in their career is focusing on, uh, the relationships they build, uh, and the things outside of EMS and the, you know, the simple truths that, um, that will sustain you through a career that really have nothing to do with the, uh, with the medicine, uh, and everything to do with the people. So, uh, and that's, that's kind of what I focus on. Yeah. I think those are good points. Yeah. But, yeah. but Hey man, you, you've been doing your keynote speeches too, Mr. Big Shot, uh, talking to, talking to in a convention the other day. What, tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, so I'm doing a lot of a lot outside of EMS, you know. So, uh, you know, I wrote a book a while back, uh, Ultimate Leadership: Ten Rules for Success. It became a number one Amazon number one bestseller, which I was really shocked over. And, and let uh, me tell you, I, five thousand of those copies, I, I, I did myself. Oh, was so that you? you? Thank me for that. That oh, was me. Oh my! Man. No wonder. So I'm going to share that I, honor with you. I, I refreshed the page too many times. It told me not to click while it was processing, and I just impatient. So, so well, I appreciate that. I got another one that's going to be coming out. So please uh, help awesome. me do that same thing. But uh, I'm going to share that with you. You could be yeah. a number one uh, best-selling buyer. So how about that? There you go. There you go. And you're pulling pulling down those Hillary Clinton fees, man. You just that's obscene honorariums you were telling me about. But um, you know, <laughs> so bringing that bringing that leadership out now is really you know outside. So I was uh, 
I gave the keynote address to the, the uh, National Society of Accountants the other day, which was really kind of interesting. And, and when you think about talking to accountants, you, you know, how do you now bridge the gap between leadership and excitement with accountants? Yeah. But I got to tell you, it was a pretty fiery group. And, you know, there were some that got the jokes and we were laughing yes. and uh, it was pretty interesting. And next week, uh, I'm going to be talking again to another business uh, development group. And yeah. so I'm really, really enjoying that. And uh, doing some more leadership development yeah. outside of EMS, and it's been really fun, you know. So I, I, I imagine those accountants are just a fireball, fiery group of people, man. Just a just more fun than a barrel of monkeys, two strippers yeah. and a bat of lime jello. That's right. I, I don't think that. <laughs> and I think what they're trying to do, though, when they see the strippers and the lime jello, is to figure out what they can write off. So uh, I, I think okay. they're looking at it. Yeah, I think they're looking at it differently than we would. Gelatin but, a business expense. Yeah, that's right. So. It's, yeah, it falls under entertainment. Uh. <laughs> but we got two great speakers here. So if yeah. you want you want us to uh, do some work out there for your events, uh, you can get in touch with Kelly, get in touch with me, and we'll certainly do that. And I think we've talked about it before, Kelly, and I think we really need to focus on it. We need to probably come up with a dual lecture that we can uh, yeah, we you know, take the world tour together. And uh, I think people would be entertained. I think we'd be able to uh, uh, work off each other and, and, and bring some good information. But uh, we need to get an agent. So if there's any agents out there, any public relations yeah. departments that want to handle uh, the Chris and Kelly show, uh, please yeah. let us know. But uh, We could be the Burns and Allen of EMS. Who would I be? Well, you'd be Gracie, of course. Oh, would I? Okay. You know. yeah. <laughs> I do have a better figure. And, and all the paramedics of the younger generation have no idea who we are talking That's about. Right. So. Yeah, so go ahead and check that right. out. Uh, uh, or George Burns and Gracie Allen. So, but yeah. uh, let's go ahead and do some news. Uh, give us our yeah. first story. Our first story comes out of Okaloosa County, Florida, and this you can post this under the paramedics behaving badly files. Uh, unfortunately, that that file seems to be growing thicker and thicker the more shows we do. But two Florida paramedics are facing charges from the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office for taking photos and videos of patients inside ambulances as part of a selfie war competition. Um. I'm hard pressed to uh, think of anything more juvenile than to take pictures of your patients without their consent uh, when they have some reasonable expectation of privacy uh, and post those online. I think it's stupid. I think it's silly and unprofessional. Uh, and if these guys uh, truly, uh, the investigation bears out that uh, that they, they actually did this and it was uh it was improperly done, which I can't imagine any way it was properly done. Uh, I, I hope they, they face justice for it. You know, you and I have talked uh, right. numerous times about uh, how to react and how to respond um, when people are filming you or snapping photos. And, right. and we have emphasized numerous times that on a scene outside of our ambulance, outside of someone's home, there is no reasonable expectation of privacy, and we need to conduct ourselves accordingly and be professional even when we're being filmed. But once you're in the back of that ambulance, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. That is a different story, and there is a reasonable expectation of privacy for those patients. Um, and when paramedics are photobombing their, their patients who are unconscious or intoxicated or otherwise incapacitated, it just gives a black eye to the profession that, that two members of it can be so stupid. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I'm, it's a, I'm, it's I'm gonna reserve further comment, uh, uh, in order that we keep our PG rating. 
Right. This is a family show. So, yeah. you know, but one of the things that I think you mentioned it, I mean, these were unconscious patients, intubated, yeah. intoxicated, uh, you know, people who were, again, I love how you said it, the public trust is I'm going to call on you, you're going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't one or two. I mean, they, they, they're talking about 41 patients that were part of this. And, mm-hmm. and you know, from the story, you know, th- this is a felony offense. And I guess one of the paramedics is going to face seven felony counts. And, you know, but but the thing that I, I hope you enjoyed your selfie war, folks. Yeah, the thing that I I bring up though is is where does the narcissism come in that you can think that this is okay in the first place? And w- what is it that we're doing wrong within our career field that we're not bringing in the people who have the genuine feelings of compassion that they want to be able to help now you know we get an ems That's for right. a lot of different reasons you know we we want to wear the uniform we want to get in the ambulance we want to be on those scenes we want to but th- there has to be some degree of compassion to say i want to be there when people need me on what could be the worst day of their life where's that transition when you say let me take advantage of people on what could be the worst day of their life. And uh, that's the thing that really boggles my mind is that there are people, you know, we go to the files of EMTs behaving badly. You and I have covered and we've chatted about some of the the, the, the heinous things that have happened in EMS. And, mm-hmm. and, and we don't even need to bring them up here because yeah. it's horrible to bring up. But at what point do you cross the line to say or think that this is okay to do? That's what I don't understand. I think it's... I think it's we we take for granted that uh, the norms uh, uh, of appropriate social behavior are in play, and some people don't observe those norms in the first place. Um, we assume they do, and we find out to our our uh, regret that they don't. Um, and I think it's it's also part of a culture. Uh, I, I I don't think that those things occur in a vacuum. Um, and I, I'm not going to point fingers at their agency because I don't know anything about it. But at some point, at least two people in an agency thought that this was cool and okay. And I have a hard time believing that more didn't uh, share that opinion and and just didn't get caught at it or or, or didn't weren't stupid enough to to post it on social media. Um, it's uh, and when you see that, I think as a supervisor and a manager, the 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 first thing you do is you 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 know you investigate that and you 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 know obviously make examples of these people and you let it know that it will not be tolerated. Right. And if it is a part of uh, the culture at your agency, then you cut that cancer out and make sure that it never comes back. You know, I mean, we've got a guy here, a 33 year old grown man. Uh, who held open the eyelid of a sedated patient to snap a picture of him and posed with an elderly woman with her breast exposed. What about, I I don't care what you were taught in EMT class. If your parents knew you did that kind of stuff, they'd whale the tar out of you and I would hand them the, the, the switch. Uh, Or what would you you be thinking if that was another paramedic who was doing that to your grandmother? Exactly. You know, but, My uh, mother rise out of the ground, uh, out of her grave for 15 years and get me. <laughs> if I did that, she would come back to life and haunt me. Um, I, I just, I, I, I'm at a loss for words other than, than utter condemnation of this. And, and let's move on to something else uh, 
before I, I really pressure test my cerebral arteries. <laughs> right, that may be a good thing, you know. And, and if your yeah. mom's going to come back and haunt you, there's other things I'd rather haunt you, have her haunt you about. So maybe you can give me that number so I can talk yeah. to her about. So my story, Kelly, is going to come from Los Angeles. And, you know, I, I, you and I have debated before the Narcan issue of first responders and being sold over the counter. And now we're starting to see first some... responders being sold over the counter or Narcan? Narcan. Do you, can, oh, we get, okay. can we get first responders over the counter? Because there's I some can, EMS systems you know, that. Yeah. But this comes well, out Paramedics of require a prescription, but EMRs and EMTs can, can be purchased over, over the, the counter. counter really? With okay. a limit of yeah. five per person. You do have to show your ID to make sure you're That's not abusing right. them, right? That's right. But this comes out of uh, Los Angeles. Narcan prices have increased 1,000% since this has happened. So now that we have determined that Narcan could be a life-saving drug, which we've already known, and now they're, they're giving it away or they're selling it over the counter or first responders, police, and, uh, and uh, EMTs are now being able to use it to uh, make a difference, uh, people want to cash in on that. And uh, mm -hmm. so Narcan now, that's been a benign drug that's been in our drug boxes for a long time, you know, hanging out in the back, waiting for its day to be used, is now being exploited for profit. And uh, uh, dare we say that it was only a matter of time. So, uh, yeah. you know, the people that were supporting this uh, from the from the higher ups to say this is a great thing are now trying to turn a profit on it. And I think that, uh, you know, it's par for the course, but uh, I don't know how we stop these things. But I think yeah. that anytime we pick something that's going to be uh, helpful to people, I think someone's got to profit from it. And uh, yeah. I think that's horrible. Well, you know, uh, it's it's the free market at work, you know, and, and if you think that capitalism is not going to be at play and then the, somehow because we're in EMS that the laws of supply and demand are somehow suspended, uh, I think it's pretty darn unrealistic. Um, but now we're reaping we're reaping those uh, unforeseen effects, you know. So you know, uh, tell people welcome to the law of, of uh, unforeseen consequences. Um, I, I can't believe that anybody would imagine that the proliferation of of uh, layperson and BLS use of Narcan would not result in a raise in prices. But uh, now that it has, pretty obvious that. Uh, um, it's something we're going to have to deal with for the foreseeable future. Um, personally, I think you should, you know, we should be spending money on, on, uh, teaching people how to, uh, distributing pocket masks. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How uh, about that? Di distributing pocket masks and, and showing everyone how to do a head tilt chin lift and, and deliver artificial ventilations and call 911 until a paramedic arrives, uh, and they can administer Narcan. Um, and that pocket mask could be used for other things, you know, so. Yeah, I have to agree with you 100%. You know, what's funny here is, is you know, for decades, you know, this drug has cost a little bit more than a dollar. And now the lowest available price is 20 times that. And really, I don't understand that. So just because we're starting to see supply increase, you know, you really have to raise the price. You know, you know, it says in the article that one manufacturer increased the wholesale price of its auto injectors to $4,500 this year for a package of two from $690 in 2014. And I just think this really crazy. You know, th there has been some legislation that's going to be put on the desk of the president that he looks to sign that, that we're really trying to help this epidemic of heroin and, and opiate abuse in our country. And, and I think that's really good here. But one of the things that I think that came out of this article is once some of the folks on the floor of the Senate, you know, uh, Senator Susan Collins, uh, 
Claire McCaskill, who's here in uh, Missouri, they wrote to this pharmaceutical company to say, you know, what are you thinking? This is a public health crisis, and what you're trying to do now is you're you're trying to profit from it. And I think that one of the things that if we're going to get a handle on this epidemic, we really have to control the costs. We really have to make the determination of how we can educate, but we've got to get a handle on this heroin epidemic, on this opiate epidemic in our country, and we've got to be able to make sure that the price does not get crazy for these nonprofit groups who are buying it and who are handing it out on the street corners to help. And and I got to tell you, I mean, what we have here is corporate greed. Uh, what we have here is uh, you know people trying to make a, a buck out of other people's misfortune. And but like you said, I mean, it, it's just par for the course of supply and demand. You know, the keeping up with the Joneses aspect of of allowing naloxone to your uh, BLS responders and lay people is has uh, bitten us here. Uh, and now it's you know you're you're having to mortgage the uh, mortgage the service to afford uh, a drug that you you give but rarely. Hey, but that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. So let me and Chris know your thoughts, concerns, comments, and suggestions by emailing us at the show at ems1.com. And for myself, co-host Chris Sevalero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you folks next week. <laughs>